0: Grace, mercy, and peace be yours from God our Father, through His Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. The Word of God that calls for our attention this morning comes to us from this morning's Psalm, Psalm 124, but also the opening line of our liturgy this morning. Our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth, so far our text. Where do we go when we need help? Where is it that we can find that help when it seems like everything has gone against us? That everything is battling to make sure that we stay down? Well, the psalm tells us to go to the Lord because it is in His name where we find help. And the psalm goes through What might happen? Were our help not in the name of the Lord? Were he not to be our help and our shield? The psalmist says, the Lord has not given us up as prey to their teeth. Thinking of all of the dangers and foes and everything else as kind of ravenous beasts that are just seeking to take abide out of us until they can just swallow us whole. And the psalmist, as he is saying this, remembers that, no, God has not done that. God has not given us up. In fact, over and over again, he continues to send his help, whether it was in the prophets of the Old Testament, the apostles of the New Testament, or pastors and teachers today. But if you think about it, God has a lot of good reasons to just throw it all away. To just let us be prey for our enemy's teeth. Because we know it is without His grace and favor that we'll never stay on the narrow path that He has set before us. We'll always find some detour, some side road, some little path off. Let's see where this goes. Even more often, we darken counsel like Job. The Old Testament reading from the the end of Job, where he has gone through and had all of his friends berate him that he deserves everything that he has gotten for some unknown reason. And then finally Job breaks down and starts complaining about it all. And God says, okay, I've had enough. Who is this that is darkening counsel? by words without without knowledge who is it that is saying things that you know they don't necessarily know what they're talking about show of hands how many of you have ever done that in your life okay a few a few honorable and honest people but all of us have done it whether it's been just something that has been just It just comes out before we can stop ourselves or we're just trying to make ourselves look better to other people. God says, okay, I'll take you to task on this. Dress for action like a man. Let me question you. And what's the question? Where were you? Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Who determined the measurements of the earth? On what are its bases? Sunk. Who is the one who put the limits to the sea and says, this far you can go and no further? Was it you? No, I don't think so. I was the one who did that. And I am the one, Job, who allowed this to happen to you. For my purposes. For your benefit. As Paul will talk about later on in Romans, that all things work for good for those who love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. And we think about those who were called for certain purposes. And we get to our Gospel reading. One of many people's favorite miracles in the Gospels. We have the apostles there in the boat with Jesus. The waves are breaking in, filling the boat with water. And where's Jesus? Because that's their question. Where is Jesus? Where is our help in this storm? Where do we find him? In the back of the boat, asleep. How can Jesus sleep in the midst of a storm? How can Jesus sleep with possible drowning, being very imminent? So they wake him up. Teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? And he comes back with a quick response. Why are you so afraid? Have you still no faith? Why is Jesus sleeping in the back of the boat? Because he knows he's going to make it to the other side. And he knows that everyone in the boat is going to make it with him. No matter what comes up. He has the faith that everything that is supposed to be done, everything that He is supposed to do in His ministry will be done. He knows that we're not going to sit here and put pictures of boats up on top of the altar because He's not going to die by drowning from a sinking boat. He still has the cross before Him. And no matter if it's a natural storm, or if it's a demonic storm, or whatever else. He has the faith in his calling and what his father has sent him to do to take him across, but also all those who were with him. So he asked, have you still no faith? He's linking back to what he had just spoken to his disciples and to the crowds on the, on the shore that if you have faith like a mustard seed, you will see great and wonderful things. Later on, he will say, if you have faith like a mustard seed, nothing will be impossible for you. So when he asks the disciples, as they are shaking him, trying to wake him up, he says, have you still no faith? Can you not see that You are here, and you are safe, because I'm here. And in the midst of the storm, no, they couldn't. Just like in the midst of our storms, we can't. No matter what that storm is, all we see are the clouds. We see the waves crashing into our boat, threatening to sink it. We don't see that God has not handed us over to be devoured by the things of this world. That like He is actually there with us. And the psalm goes on. What would happen if God would actually hand us over? That if God would just wash His hands of us and say, okay, I'm done with you. You want to do this? Go on. Find out what X, Y, and Z happens. Well, the psalmist says, if God had handed us over, they would have swallowed us up alive. Bringing the picture of Jonah being swallowed by the whale. The picture of what the wise men in Babylon wanted to happen to Daniel as they convinced King Darius to throw him into the lion's den. Or even going back to the wilderness as Korah and many others joined together and say, Moses, Aaron... You guys are leading us around in a circle. You don't know where we're going. We should lead. And God provides proof for his people as to who his leaders are. As the earth literally opens up underneath Korah and all of his supporters and swallows them up alive. Their lives, their livelihoods, their family lines and inheritances all gone in an instant. Just like if God were to hand us over and let our enemies swallow us up alive. Or the flood would have swept us over. The raging torrent would have drug us away. Remembering Noah. Noah and his family were safe in the ark. But those outside had no safety. They had no security from the storm. Even if they swam up and held on to the ark, eventually the shrink would fail. And they would fall off. Because God had handed them over. God had said, the flood will wipe out all of mankind. And we'll start over again. See, you and I are like Noah and his family. We're like the apostles in the boat. In the words of the psalm, we have escaped the snare of the fowler. And we haven't done it because we have wiggled our way out. We've done it because we've been released. The psalm begins, If the Lord were not on our side, let Israel now say, but the Lord is on our side. He is our help in this time of need, and in every time of need. He said through the prophets, In a favorable time I listen to you, and in a day of salvation I have helped you. Paul tells the Corinthians in our epistle lesson, now is the favorable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. We have that salvation and it is sure for us today as it was for the disciples in the boat as all of a sudden the storm leaves because Jesus said, peace, be still. How many times Jesus has to say those words to us? And he looks at the apostles and he's like, do you guys not get it yet? How many times in the Psalms does he say, peace be with you? How many times, like in Psalm 46, be still and know that I am God? Or Easter evening, or the week after, or even a couple of the other resurrection appearances where Jesus has to say, peace be with you. Be with you. Because that is why Jesus came. He came to give us peace. So that we can have that faith. Like a mustard seed. So we can have that assurance. That even in the midst of all of our worst storms. All of the worst days of our lives. God is still there. We'll sing in a little bit as we come up for communion about the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. God says, I will not, and repeats, I will not desert to his foes. The soul that leans on Jesus, the soul that comes to receive the body and blood of our Lord given and shed for you, not only for the forgiveness of your sins, but for refuge. In the time of the storms. That gift of God that gives you peace. That allows you to be still and realize that God is in control. That God is doing His work. Although it seems to be hidden by all the clouds, He's still there. Which is why a lot of the hymns today give that same picture. Of God leading us as a father through the times that we have. Through all the troubles, all the struggles, all the tribulations. Because it is in Him that we find refuge from everything. It is Him that the storms stop and the wind ceases. And there's a great calm. Why? Because you're so great? I mean, a lot of you are great. I'll I'll give you that. But, no, it's because of Him. It's because He is on our side. He is our help. So we can say, fear not. I am with you. Be not dismayed. For I am your God. And will still give you aid. Not just in the beginning of your walk with Him. Not just at the end of life. But every step along the way. So as we'll sing a little later, we can say now, Precious Lord, take my hand. Lead me on and let me stand. For I am weak, I am tired, I am worn. And we are. But thanks be to God that we don't fight these battles alone. That we are not there alone in the storms. That He is there with us, calming those storms in His time and in his ways, so that we may know that our help is in the name of the Lord, who made heaven and earth. Amen.